It's May 20th, which marks President Tsai Ing-wen's sixth year in office. During an inspection tour in Taoyuan, Tsai spoke publicly about her time as president. She said despite shifting global tides, the rising threat from China and the challenges of the pandemic, Taiwan has remained rational and united. This is what she had to say. In democratic Taiwan, there are differing opinions on a variety of matters. There is also competition between political parties, and there is uncertainty brought by the pandemic and natural disasters. But in general, Taiwanese are kind and rational, and we face challenges with a spirit of solidarity that allows us to overcome difficulties. At this moment, we are at a critical time in the pandemic. Our most important goal is to reduce the fatality rate and to continue to increase vaccine coverage to reduce the impact of the pandemic. Over the next two years, the administration will continue to build a stronger and more resilient nation. The president was in Taoyuan to inspect the city's pandemic measures. She stopped by the Bada district office where workers were assembling care packages for COVID patients who are in home care. After six years in office, President Tsai still appears to have the public support. A new poll finds her approval ratings at 46.2 percent. According to the survey, public approval is greatest for Tsai's handling of foreign affairs, national defense, and Taiwan-China relations. The ratings are lowest for Tsai's judicial reforms and for her push to develop a domestic COVID vaccine. Friday marked President Tsai Ing-wen's sixth year in office. In a survey by the Taiwanese Public Opinion Foundation, Tsai was shown to have a 46.2% approval rating, down 3.7 percentage points from last month. Overall, respondents scored the president 61.55 points out of 100. In a ranking of the Tsai administration's policies, foreign affairs topped the list, with 56% of respondents expressing approval. National defense ranked second, Taiwan-China relations ranked third, economic performance ranked fourth, and development of a domestically produced COVID vaccine ranked fifth. At sixth place, judicial reform scored only a 37.3% approval rating. Meanwhile, amid a sharp rise in COVID cases, the CECC scored only 59.53 points in the survey. President Tsai Ing-wen, please stop focusing on these cold survey numbers. Regardless of how much approval you have, look at the soaring COVID cases over these past two months and the seriousness of this pandemic, the anger, worry, and anxiety of the public. That's what you need to take care of right now. After six years in office, she has received praise worldwide for her national defense and foreign affairs policies. Domestically, the economy, internal affairs, in fact, in all the aspects surveyed, the data all looks very good. I think that for the elected president of Taiwan, this is the best performance record possible. Tsai's second term midterm results were received differently by the Pan Blue and Pan Green camps. Another survey conducted by the Asia-Pacific Elite Interchange Association looked at Tsai's performance on policies related to cross-strait ties. It found that 49.2% of respondents were satisfied with her cross-strait policy, while some 30% were dissatisfied. 48% said they were confident in her ability to navigate cross-strait affairs, while 36% said they were not. What is more commendable is that even in its sixth year, this administration has not become a lame duck. Whether we're talking cross-strait issues or those related to foreign affairs and defense, President Tsai is still able to take the lead. 
on different topics, you can see a 30 to 40% disapproval rating, showing that there is still division in public opinion. I think the situation is still quite serious. According to the scholar, one of Tsai's biggest challenges in her last two years in office will be achieving a public consensus on key national issues. Taiwan reported 85,720 local COVID infections on Friday. The total represents a small decline from the day before. And case counts are down in all cities and counties. Even so, Health Minister Chen Shizhong says it's too soon to tell if the current COVID wave has reached its peak. On Friday, the health chief reported 49 COVID-related deaths, with nearly half of them involving unvaccinated people. Once again, he called on the public to get their booster shots once they're eligible. Today, we're adding 239 new moderate or severe cases. Among the 49 deaths, 48 involve people with chronic disease. Since January, there have been 2,261 people with moderate or severe cases of COVID. Taiwan has seen a total of 431 COVID-related deaths. For example, among patients in their 70s, 1.3% developed moderate or severe symptoms. Among patients in their 80s, that figure was 4.7%. The mortality rate for the nation overall is 0.04%, but for patients in their 90s, it's as high as 2.7%. On Friday, the mortality rate for severe COVID cases exceeded 80% for the first time since the start of the pandemic. Most of the deaths have involved patients aged 70 and up. Once again, the CECC urged older adults to get boosters to strengthen their defenses against COVID. Incentives for vaccination are available until the end of May. Adults who are 65 and older, as well as indigenous people 55 and older, if you're eligible for a shot, you will receive a gift worth up to 500 NT. Turning to medical capacity, nearly 50% of beds are vacant at dedicated COVID care wards. According to official data shared by Dr. Su Yifeng, writing on social media, the doctor said the rate was high because the CECC had added hospital beds. However, the CECC has not added hospital staff at the same pace, he says, blasting the figures for being misleading. The health minister pushed back at the charge on Friday. I think it's very inappropriate for this doctor to say this. How should manpower be allocated? Our hospitals are very capable of managing this issue. Amid this epidemic, everyone is doing their best to meet the demand for medical care. Generally speaking, our medical capacity is not quite at the brink of collapse. We never said it was like that, that it's very crowded outside emergency rooms and people are kept waiting a very, very long time in long lines. We didn't say it was like that. To slow the spread of the virus, schools in all cities and counties except Mazu have been shifting their students to distance learning. In New Taipei, students in the seven urban districts will undergo distance learning for five days starting next Monday. Pharmacists are asking people to be honest if they know they're infected with COVID. Government COVID rules are much more lax now than they were a year ago, despite the numbers of COVID cases being at an all-time high. Even so, many COVID patients ignore the rules that exist. Some patients even head to a pharmacy after they test positive for COVID, putting pharmacists at risk. 
This pharmacy has its metal shutters pulled down, and a notice says the pharmacist has COVID. We will be shut for 10 days. Please do not queue here for rapid tests. Since the pandemic worsened, frontline medical staff have been at risk, and so have pharmacists as they sell rapid tests and medicines, coming into daily contact with hundreds of COVID patients. They do all they can to stay safe. But many pharmacists have caught the virus recently, and many caught it from customers who thought they could avoid isolation because their symptoms were light. He had COVID, and he brought the positive test to show us. Another one took off their mask and said, "I've got COVID, but it doesn't matter." Today, we heard some of our colleagues saying that COVID patients have been coming in person to pharmacies to collect medicine. We are pharmacists, so of course we know that it's happening. When pharmacists catch COVID, it has an impact on the running of the business and the services we offer. So we will wear masks and protect ourselves, of course, and will disinfect. But I think more importantly, we do rely on the public to do their best to act as responsible citizens. Pharmacists rely on the public to act with integrity. This pharmacy has erected transparent dividers all around its cashier desk, all the way from the ceiling to knee height. There's just a thin crack where customers can reach the pharmacist. We have a sign outside asking customers to follow a one-in-one-out system. One customer leaves, and then the next one can come in. As for us, we spray disinfectant more often, and we always wear masks properly. Government COVID rules have relaxed significantly, but that means individual citizens need to take more care in their daily lives to act with integrity and help protect the people around them day to day. More people are in self-isolation than ever amid a new record high for COVID cases. Local governments are giving away care packages, which are available from district offices, to help folks who are at home alone. But what if you don't have family or local friends to go get the package for you? Well, in Taoyuan, city council hopefuls will fetch the package and bring it to your door. We caught up with the delivery team to see how it works. People line up in front of a district office to collect care packages. The head of Zhongjing Borough is wheeling away a cart full of packages for his borough residents. It looks a bit tough. So city council candidates are on hand to help out. It's all hands on deck as COVID cases jump. This image posted on Facebook advertises the care package service. Anyone who is self-isolating after a positive COVID test is eligible for a package, and if they don't have friends or family to pick it up, these city council candidates will get on it. There are even people isolating in Longtan District, so we go over there to take it to them. Council candidates Xu Jiarei, Li Zhonghao, and Huang Chenghui have banded together to cover Northern Taoyuan. They can easily deliver dozens of packages in a single day. They first visit the individual's home to pick up their identity documents, then head to the district office to pick up the care package, and finally take it back to its recipient. The meticulous service is a great way for them to canvass ahead of the elections. Since we're offering a service to the public, we need to find ways to solve people's problems as fast and efficiently as possible. Council candidates are doing whatever it takes to support the victims of COVID. 
CECC Chief Chen Shizhong commented on the validity of the scheme. I'm not saying that political figures will commit fraud in delivering these packages, but when you ask a politician to fetch your packages, they may be a middleman or others who are not public figures who try to commit fraud. So I would urge the public to be careful and to check people's identities. Individuals are free to delegate package collection to anyone they choose, but officials warn that the choice should be made carefully. If you're a parent of a toddler, we have good news for you. Child-rearing subsidies are about to go up for kids up to four years old. Starting from August, the monthly subsidy will rise from 3,500 NT to 5,000 NT for families' first child. For the second child, the subsidy will rise from 4,000 NT to 6,000 NT. For any additional children after that, it will go up from 4,500 NT to 7,000 NT. The child-rearing subsidy was already raised once last August as part of a program to lift the national birth rate. The latest increase will come into effect this August, with the money to be deposited in September. The government expects 459,000 children to benefit from the increase. The Parliament of Germany has passed a resolution supporting Taiwan's inclusion in the World Health Assembly. The resolution was passed on Thursday by 613 lawmakers in Germany's 736-seat assembly. It received backing from all four major parliamentary parties in an unprecedented show of support. Taiwan officials say the resolution is a sign of growing pro-Taiwan sentiment in the international community. The 75th World Health Assembly will open this Sunday in Geneva, Switzerland. Although Taiwan has not received an invitation to attend, Deputy Health Minister Li Lifen will lead a delegation to Geneva for exchanges, and FTV will cover events at the scene. This year, numerous nations have protested Taiwan's exclusion. On social media, the American Institute in Taiwan published three posts in a row to emphasize that Taiwan's expertise should not be left out of the global health network. Speaking to journalists in Washington, Taiwan Representative Xiaobi Kim said the U.S. was making clear that it supports Taiwan's participation in the WHA. She also said the world was increasingly rallying behind Taiwan. Notably, Germany has recently signaled its support. In a post on Facebook, representative to Germany Xie Zhiwei said that, for the first time in history, Germany's parliament had passed a resolution to support Taiwan's observer status in the WHA. In Germany's 736-seat Bundestag, 613 lawmakers across all four major parties voted in support of Taiwan, marking a milestone in bilateral relations. Although the resolution won't break China's blockade of Taiwan this year, it does signal a shift in global ties, lawmakers say. It shows that, for one thing, public opinion in the international community is becoming more supportive of Taiwan. It also reflects the work of our diplomats on the front line, who are making a great effort to win public support in these countries. It shows that they're achieving rather good results. Continually obstructing us is China's modus operandi. I think that countries around the world should work with Taiwan. I think that we will be able to rejoin the WHA as an observer. I think that the prospects for that are very good. DPP lawmakers are optimistic that Taiwan will eventually regain entry to the WHA. In the meantime, another global initiative is taking shape. U.S. President Joe Biden will soon embark on his first Asia tour since taking office, making stops in Japan and South Korea. 
In Tokyo, he's expected to announce a new Indo-Pacific economic initiative. According to sources with knowledge of the matter, Taiwan is not included in Biden's economic plan. But according to Taiwan's representative to the U.S., Taiwan will be able to participate in, quote, appropriate ways with the support of its friends in Washington. The representative said Taiwan and the U.S. would remain in close communication over ways that Taiwan could make a meaningful contribution to the Indo-Pacific. I think that in the U.S., whether we're talking the legislative branch or the executive branch, there is a consensus that Taiwan should be able to participate in this economic initiative. We hope that China will not do anything to obstruct this because Taiwan is an important economic and trade power in the region. Not only that, with regard to maintaining Taiwan-U.S. relations, there are interactions and bilateral exchanges we need to conduct. With support from democratic nations on the rise, Taiwan looks set to expand its presence in global organizations. Taiwan plans to enact a provision that punishes its athletes for, quote, tarnishing their team's image or the nation's honor. Under the provision, athletes on a national team who engage in damaging speech or actions can lose government funding for one to five years. Those found guilty of serious offenses can be disqualified from their teams altogether. The provision was published this month, and it must uh, undergo a public comment period before its enactment. Let's hear from a sports official. This clause is part of our regulations governing the management of national teams. The clause applies to athletes as well as coaches on the national teams. We're now in the public comment period for this new clause. Once the public comment period is over, we will continue with the administrative procedure and complete all revisions in time for a release in June. In the most serious cases, the offender can be disqualified from the national team. With regard to the Hong Yuting incident, we convened a review and have already reached a preliminary decision regarding her case. This new clause will not be retroactive. It will only apply to cases that occur after it is enacted. The new provision has been dubbed the Huang Ting Clause, in reference to a Taiwanese skater who posted a video of herself wearing China's team uniform. Taiwan's Sport Administration decided to suspend her government funding for two years. Taiwanese featherweight Lin Yuting has won gold at the Women's World Boxing Championships in Turkey, competing in the under 57 kilogram final. Lin went up against Olympic bronze medalist Irma Testa of Italy. The 26-year-old Xinju native put up a spirited offensive, overcoming her rival 4-1 to claim the second world title of her career. At the IBA Women's World Boxing Championships, Taiwanese boxing star Lin Yuting made the finals in the featherweight category. Her rival in the ring was Italian veteran Irma Testa, who won bronze at the Tokyo Olympics. So here we go, Lin of Chinese Taipei in the red, Testa of Italy in the blue. Lin put up a lively fight against Testa, who was well matched with a similar physique. The Taiwanese boxer began the bout with an ambitious attack and was scored 10 points by the three judges to take the lead. Lin, there wasn't much in that. There really wasn't. Lin maintained momentum in the second round, widening her lead with a battery of sharp punches. In the end, she defeated her opponent by a 4-1 majority decision to clinch the title. And Lin gets it. It's a split decision because Testa had. Lean holds a previous gold in the championship's under 54 kilogram division, which she won in 2018. 
Last year, she moved up to the under 57 kilogram class and won bronze. This time around, the fan favorite struck gold for the second time in her career. President Tsai Ing-wen issued a personal message congratulating Lin on her second title. After a disappointing showing at last year's Olympic Games, Lin has found redemption on another global stage. Prawn farmers are getting ready for their highlight of the year. The annual Chaozhou Prawn Tournament will take place on May 28th, attracting the biggest and most magnificent prawns from across the country. There are prizes for categories like heaviest and longest prawn. The pandemic has hit prawn sales, but insiders hope the event will lift up sales this summer. Pick up these giant freshwater prawns, and some are longer than your lower arm. The prawns in this pond are whoppers. Some are even as long as a grown man's thigh. I talk to them every day and tell them, I love you, grow up big and fast. These prawns have been bred to compete in the annual Chaozhou Prawn Tournament, which opens on May 28th. Prawns compete in categories including weight and length. The gold, silver, and bronze places all get cash prizes, with 5,000 NT for first place. There's an extra 2,000 NT for a new weight record, and one competitor has already beaten last year's champion weight of 347 grams. There are 22 teams competing. This year, there's a 5,000 NT prize for the champion prawn in male and female categories. Second prize is 4,000 NT, and the third prize is 3,000 NT. It's once a year. Of course, the aquaculture associations really look forward to it. It's a chance to promote our giant freshwater prawns. We want to use the prawn tournament to tell the whole of Taiwan that Chaozhou and Pingdong is a top township for giant freshwater prawns. Despite the ongoing pandemic, the tournament is going ahead as normal in the spacious grounds of Chaozhou Zhongshan Park. There will be appropriate hygiene measures in place as the freshwater prawn crowd meets for its big annual gathering.